the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get yourself 40% off that first year of subscriptions. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues, get exclusive ad-free content at your fingertips. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Sunday. Thanks for uh, giving me some time off here with the family. It's hot. It's hot everywhere. It's hot on the baseball fields. Watching some of these athletes kind of deal with this has been uh, interesting at best, right? I mean, it makes uh, some of the gambling stuff and the over-unders and all that interesting. We'll see if this trickles into the NFL season as well. Soon we'll be doing our over-unders, our win totals, things like that with Cousin Dan for the NFL season as camps have broken. Um, And it's a big NFL show today. Kyler Murray gets his contract. I'm going to break that down as much as possible over the next couple of minutes. And then at the back end, I mentioned last time that I did a money tiers quarterback style where I broke down, I believe, seven categories of the starting quarterbacks in, in the NFL in regards to their contract statuses. Who's super stable? Who's wishy-washy? Who is probably a one and done? And uh, which of those rookies are in need or heading toward that next big contract? I did the exact same thing with wide receivers, only, you know, as you might imagine, there's not only one wide receiver on a roster. Some have two that are worth a damn. Some have four. Some have zero. Some I really struggle to kind of pull out. And I'm looking at you, Falcons. You're, uh, you basically drafted your number one wide receiver at number eight this year. So <laughs> certainly that's a, a variation. But I found 60 wide receivers. And I put uh, statuses, contract information, guarantees remaining and categorizations for all 60. That's up on spotrack.com. I'm going to break that down a little bit in the back end of the show because there's, a, as you might imagine, a lot of good nuggets that I was able to pull out of that. And, uh, you know, if you're a dynasty fantasy player, if you're just a fantasy player, kind of understanding who's the most relevant and uh, who may be looking for that next contract and playing accordingly, that's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, that gets triggered when you're going through that many wide receivers throughout the entire league and, and trying to identify if they belong where they are right now, if they're in breakout mode, if they're in potential bust mode, things like that. So that's the, uh, that's the rundown for the NFL portion of this. And then I think I'm just going to swing through a quick NHL recap because we, it's been nice. I mean, aggressive trades, you know, certain teams are, are tanking hard. Certain teams are buying hard. And I've got like eight teams right now that are over cap in the NHL. So yes, some of that will be alleviated by the long-term injury reserve, as we've talked about. That's certainly a loophole that many of these teams get to use to free up cap space at the most important times. But some of them is just, is just a, a factor of the offseason. We're pushing and we're going to figure it out before it gets to October. And that's how it's going to work. So I'll run through that a little bit in terms of which teams have been aggressive and why they're aggressive and things like that. But that's the back end of the show. But first, today's edition of the Spot Tribe podcast is presented by Dynasty Owner. Speaking of fantasy football, it's time. Drafts are now. Uh, I've got two coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully there's not too many rearrangements in the NFL, though I do think some of these wide receivers that I'll I'll get to here soon could be a part of uh, that conversation. DynastyOwner.com gets you started. Use code SPOTTRACK20 at registration. Get yourself a few dollars off. Get in there, create your group, customize your scoring, customize your gameplay. There's pretty much the the sky's the limit with this thing. It's a beautiful app. It's a beautiful website. Real NFL salaries, real NFL GM decisions. Get started today at DynastyOwner.com. 
All right. It wasn't a matter of, of if, it was a matter of when Kyler Murray officially signs the extension with the Cardinals. I did a probably a way too long piece on this on spottrek.com, but, but I will sort of uh, pull out the bullet points for you here on this show. It's, uh, it's what I expected. I don't think anything, any part of this blew me away with the exception of the guarantee structure. And I spent quite a bit of time on that in the article and, and on Twitter, to be honest, because I don't think it's getting enough credit that GD average salary AAV discussion will not go away. And I've had people clap back at me for, for arguing this point. But um, you just can't say that a, an NFL player is X average paid without saying, except for this and except for this. And if it's only these years, it's this. You, you have to dissect it completely. And I did that with the first paragraph in this Kyler Murray co- uh, contract evaluation. I, I took it out as much as possible without getting too wordy. But for all intents, this is a seven-year contract. A seven-year, $265.6 million contract. It's a lot of coin. It's, it's a baseball contract. You know, there's been plenty of those comparisons between the decision he made to play football and now he's got his cash three years later. I don't know what kind of baseball player he would have been. So, yes, I threw it out there, the Oakland A's payroll versus Kyler Murray's average salary slash total contract, or whatever. It's all there for you if you want it. Here's the thing. <laughs> He's probably not making this $265 million because it's an NFL contract and it's not Deshaun Watson. So I guess that's talking point number one. He didn't get the fully guaranteed contract. I think there were some very smart people out there that believe that's where Lamar Jackson is going with his quote-unquote holdout and where Kyler Murray could have gone. To me, the difference is pretty simple. Kyler Murray hasn't had that one big season that Lamar's had. He's had two half seasons that resembled what Lamar did once. And none of them have had a Josh Allen season. And none of them have had, including Josh Allen, have had a Patrick Mahomes season. And Deshaun Watson's somewhere in the middle there. And his, his situation and his landing spot is such an anomaly that it's just not fair to keep bringing him up, even though I brought his name up 11 times in this piece. And the only reason I did it is I wanted to show that these three players, right, generally Allen, Mahomes, and and Kyler Murray, we're all in the same kind of neighborhood of cash flow and cap, you know, restructure ability and guarantee structure and, and early mechanisms and all those things that I say in the, in the piece here. And then you get to Watson and it's just, and then Deshaun got this. Right? So if we're talking 160 million guaranteed for Kyler Murray, that's great. And that's comparable to, you know, the 150 and Josh Allen and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then it's Deshaun Watson at 230. And that's just where we are. You know, Aaron Rodgers, 150. That's just, the gap is that big. And to some degree, that's where we were with Mahomes and that average salary for quite a bit. And obviously that was able to be caught up to. So who's going to be the next to catch up to the 230? And will that be a fully guaranteed, whatever, 225, whatever it's going to be? Or is, are, are other GMs and certainly the agents and players, you know, settling for the next best thing? We're not going there. Teams are not going to copy this, this and make this a thing. That's going to be a, one, a one-off situation that got out of control from a lot of angles. And for now, at least, that's how it's going to be. It's going to be this elephant in the room sitting over there that we're really not going to talk about when we're talking about the contract mechanisms of Lamar Jackson and next year, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. We'll see. You know, if Joe Burrow goes to the Super Bowl again, 
I don't know how he doesn't sit down and say, I'm ready for my 250 fully guaranteed for the next six years. That's coming. If a player is able to play himself into that discussion, I don't think Kyler Murray was that player. There's a lot of people that don't even want him extended at all in his neck of the woods, let alone getting this kind of contract. But it's here. Let's talk about the contract. Like I said, it's 265 over seven. It's 230.5 in new money, new, new years, which in that regard is a $46.1 million salary, which puts him past Deshaun Watson, only behind Aaron Rodgers, 50.2. That's fine. You want that to be the headline? Go and get it. 46.1 is the second highest average paid player in the history of football. Awesome. Then you look at his cash flow. <laughs> okay. And that's a whole different story. All right. 30 million in year one ranks 10th, 69 through two years ranks eighth, and 107.8 over three years is fifth. Fifth. He's behind everybody we've talked about today, all of them. His three year cash flow, you know, has an AAV of nothing, less than 36 million a year, which in the grand scheme of things, you know, that's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins fully guaranteed contract. So his guaranteed at signing for all intents gives him about 36 million a year. Where this thing gets different, and like I said in the onset here, he he forfeited all that. You know, obviously his agent knew what was happening here with this cash flow. 140 over four. Still not to that $40 million mark. Okay, that's 35 a year for the first for the next four seasons. Through age 28, he'll be making 35 a year. Aaron Rodgers is making $50.1 million a year for the next three seasons. Very different players in very different stages of their career. But just so you understand the difference here, you know, Dak Prescott's getting 40 a year. Deshaun Watson's getting 46 a year every year for five years, for six years. That's how it's working. Straight cash flow, baseball contract. This is not a baseball contract. This smells like a $46.1 million contract, but for four years is 35 per year. That's how the cash works out. And that includes a double bonus couple of early roster bonuses, bunch of per game active bonuses, huge workout bonuses. There's, there's cash all over the place, which I loved. And I said this in the article. I, I loved the creativity, the flexibility. He's going to be making money every two months in some regard, basically. Your early March, training camp, uh, at the end of his workout, obviously every two weeks to start the season, through the season. It's all over the place. It's a constant cash flow. I love that part of it. It's complicated from what I do transactionally, but I love that part of it. Um, but you can't tell me from a cash flow perspective, this is a top of the market contract. And by the way, I'm not sure he deserved that. So I think what I'm saying out loud is understanding that this is probably exactly what he was supposed to get. I think the agent took concessions on early cash and said, fine, but we're going to lock in extra years with guarantees. Not, not up front. You know, the, the 104 guaranteed up front is pretty standard stuff. That's, uh, that's in line with Allen. That's in line with these contracts we've seen. But the way that the early mechanisms kick in, and that's Patrick Mahomes stuff right there. I, I couldn't do anything else but make this a six-year contract, practically speaking. Six years, $219 million from a practical standpoint. Because every offseason next year's salary and next year's roster bonus vest fully guaranteed. So that's tradable, but not releasable. You know, the, the dead cash that piles up with that kind of structure, you know, some of these teams are willing to take on some of it, 
But for all intents, this is a very stable contract from a player perspective for a player that I'm not sure has done enough to, to deserve that. A wild card loss. And, you know, like I said, six to seven weeks over the past couple of years that he's looked excellent, but not full seasons. Certainly he's declined in the back end of these, uh, you know, these seasons when it's mattered most, including the postseason when we all remember that taste in our mouth watching him throw from the end zone. So I'm not knocking the player. I think he's got the pedigree to be a great quarterback, but I'm not sure the buildup should have gotten us to this kind of structure guarantee-wise. It's big. I mean, they are expecting this guy to be all pro caliber, maybe, you know, maybe not a top five quarterback, but all pro caliber for the next four to five seasons approaching age 30. And that's when this thing really falls off. The, uh, the line of demarcation in this contract is 20 after 2027. Like I said, six years, 219, he'll be 30 years old after that. And, uh, and then they can rip it up in, in 2028 when the guarantee that year it exists, but it's early March. So he's got an early guarantee every year of this contract. And he's got a year early guarantee six out of the seven. So that's, that's big boy stuff right there. And we don't, we didn't see that with Allen. Allen's contract is basically four and out, you know, Mahomes contract. Now that's a different ball game. That's for all intents. That's 11 years out of 12. That's structured like this. Something happens a year early, almost every single year in Patrick Mahomes, 12 year contract. That's obviously what was modeled here for Kyler Murray. Not Mahomes or not Watson, you know, not Rogers. It was, let's get that 46 one so we can get past Deshaun Watson because that's probably good for the NFL right now, right? So fine, do that. And we'll punt on the first couple of years of cash, which Mahomes absolutely did. His cash flow is unbelievably low. And you're just going to make sure with guarantee structure and early, mess, early vests that I'm here I'm getting 200 million plus out of this contract, whether it's you or whether you trade me and somebody else has to do it. But this contract is going to hold tight for six years and whoever's there is going to deal with it. And that's what this is. And it's very rare that I have to push out this far in a contract with the practical line, with the potential out. And I even tried to make it five at first and I thought to myself, I can't do that. I can't do that. Nobody's going to take a $34 million bath to get out of this contract, even if the cap is what it is. It's not, this isn't a cap conversation. This is a cash conversation, early vested guaranteed cash. So it wasn't about dead cap. It's just how this thing works out in the end. It's so heavily backloaded with cash that when you lock those in a year early, you got to pay them. You got to pay them. And by the way, speaking of backloaded, I mentioned that the first four years are 140 cash, which is 35 million per year. The, the way that they got to that $46.1 million average salary is by putting a $46 million plus cash salary in 2028, non-guaranteed. So there is fluff. There is you know, some manipulation. There's some gymnastics to make sure the average salary was what it was. But believe me when I say, this is nothing close to $46 million a year. All right? Six for 220-ish. That's where we're getting here. Um, from a cap structure, obviously the next two years are friendly. Based on everything else you've heard me say, twelve point six million this year. It's sixteen million next year. Those will be obviously just fine for Arizona. No need to touch those anymore. Then it jumps to fifty one point eight in twenty twenty four, and you know the cap could be two forty five at that point. Could be around there. Patrick Mahomes got a restructure last year. He did not get the get one this year, and I was a big advocate for that because you just can't restructure these massive contracts every single year. And think you're you're going to be okay in a couple of years when the dead cap comes to roost. So, 
they're going to have to be flexible with how much they touch this, especially because we've already got two bonuses on here. We've got you know, a $28 million signing bonus and a th- I believe a $36 million option bonus. And when you put those things down from a five-year proration, uh, you know, that stuff gets funny. The dead cap's already here, you know, 33 million in 2025, 20 million in 2026. That's without the restructure. That's without salaries guaranteed. We're just talking about bonus proration. You know, it's already a heavy amount on there right now. So they're going to have to be careful and calculated with how they restructure this. It's possible that, you know, his $37 million salary in a couple of years, maybe you chop half of that off and put and push it over five years and not do a full 30 and restructure other contracts that will, will provide less of a dead cap situation than this one will. But, you know, for a while there, for really a four to five year stretch, every contract in the league was just so easily restructurable and you could just handle the dead cap on the back end. You know, void years now we're seeing that. We're seeing Tom Brady's, Tom Brady might leave behind 30 million of dead cap next year when he retires again. It's possible. But that's what you do when you roll and roll and roll. And, uh, you know, we're talking about a situation in Green Bay. I talked about it, I think, two, two episodes ago. If he's three and out, if he takes that 150 and then walks away, 70 million plus a dead cap for Green Bay just to walk away. Bonus proration, not cash, bonus proration. So we're getting into some really dark waters with how we're structuring 50 million a year to make it player friendly. And I think teams are setting themselves up for real big mess, like, like monumental dead cap messes that are really going to pigeonhole at least one year, possibly two consecutive years of team building, of asset, you know, extensions, things like that, being able to keep players in your own. And uh, I hope they know what they're signing up for. They're, there's probably a breaking point coming with those big NBA contracts, as we've talked about quite a bit, now 60 million plus per year. At what point, you know, which contract is going to be the one that makes us all look from a dead cap perspective, from a five-year perspective and say, all right, this is the one. This is the one that actually broke things and told us, look, we got to change the way we do this. And maybe changing the way we do this is simply no signing bonus. I'm giving you 40 million cash per year for three years, three for 120 just straight cash. You get it every two weeks. I'm not doing any dead cap. I'm not doing any bonus proration. If we have to restructure, it'll be a, a small restructure on a base salary that, that currently doesn't have the dead cap. We may be getting there. We may be getting to NBA contracts, bonusless NBA contracts with the quarterback so that you don't have this pile-up situation. It's possible. Um, but this is going to be one that to really monitor because the cap hits are 51, 45, 55, 43, 46 to finish this thing off. You restructure that 2024 and everything's upwards of 50 to 55 to 60. And that gets ugly. That's not something teams want to have to deal with, even though this is certainly the position you're willing to go kind of all over the place with. But the cap, can, cap is fine for now, should be fine through three years. But how they handle the back end of this will be uh, certainly something we keep an eye on. Last thing, uh, there's incentives built into this thing. It's going to be really hard for, for both these things to happen. Uh, I bet she gets it once or twice. But $750,000 per year if he compiles 600 rush yards and six rushing touchdowns. Got to do both in a regular season. That's an extra $750,000. He's done that one. He did it in 2020. 
819 rush yards, 11 rush touchdowns. Last year it was 423 and five. So, you know, he's getting in the end zone at a pretty good clip. And if that, you know, doesn't change, this one's within reach. The next one, you know, certainly a team effort, not just his doing, but another 750,000 per year. If he's active for 70% of the regular season, if they make the NFC championship game, he's active for 70% of that game and they win it. So they got to win the NFC NFC championship. He's got to play 70% of that. And he had to have played 70% of the regular season. All that. So basically, he gets $750,000 if he has his complete season. The one we're talking about that he hasn't had yet. Obviously, that's not likely to be earned. But extra $1.5 million per year throughout the entirety of the contract. So that's built in. Um, other than that, like I said, it's an, it's an all-over-the-place contract. There's training camp, per-gamers, workouts, early March bonuses big base salaries that are going to get restructured most likely. There's a lot going on here and it's just, it's going to be fluid every year. Every March I'll be sitting here looking at this contract saying, all right, what's coming next? And uh, you kind of love that in in my line of work. You love the creativity. I love, like I said, the concessions that were given up here in terms of early cash versus stability. And, you know, we're going to be talking about this contract either good or bad in a couple of years because it's not going away. It's a six-year deal. It's really hard to not have a six-year deal here. They're going to have to really scratch, you know, trade him in 2026. Somebody's going to have two years, 80 million left of early guarantees through 2027. Do you restructure that then and try to convert half that into a bonus and make it good for yourself? It's possible. But by far, that is the takeaway from this contract structure is the guarantee. Not the average salary. That's fine. Talk about it as you need. Not the the 160 of guarantees or the 104 of full guarantees at signing. Those are nice numbers. Those are the numbers I thought he was going to get. But it's just how stable that 160 comes in and actually becomes 219 pretty darn easily. Okay. Let's switch gears to wide receivers because, like I said, I put in a ton of time this weekend categorizing 60 wide receivers in the NFL for the 2022 season. Um, as you might imagine, two of them sit at the top of the list. Is it the two you're thinking about, though? <laughs> right? Dude, Devontae Adams is not in tier one for me. It's a hell of a contract. It's a great contract. But it got destroyed in about a month's time. I think the Raiders have great value. Now, they gave up some picks to get him in the door. So that was part of the conversation. But Devontae Adams is tier two for me. The way I did this, at least the top end of this tier structure, is how many years are they going to be stable based on guarantees? So similar conversation to what we just did with Kyler Murray. I did this with 60 wide receivers. So Cooper Cup and Tyree Kill, just based on their brand new contracts and how they're structured, are getting four years out of this deal. Something happens early every March. So next year, maybe two years out, there's a lot of cash flow. You know, we're talking 75 million of guarantees left for Cup, 72-2 for Tyree Kill, big time cash. And uh, how do you not say it's well-deserved? That's a four-year plan for their, for their contracts, whether they're there or not. Obviously, that's all tradable cash, but it's guaranteed. It's going to happen. It's going to lock in. If it's not now, it's going to lock in next March or maybe in early 2024, but they're getting four years out of this contract pretty darn easily based on the structure of the guarantees. Adams falls into the three and we'll see. And there's a bunch. There's four guys here, all with new contracts, as you might imagine. So it's Adams at the top with 65 guarantees left on that deal. 
AJ Brown, who, boy, you start to look at these other contracts below him, and he really did well here uh, with this new Browns contract. And I realized that it was part of a sign and trade kind of situation, but you know, he's he's well above the rookie extension uh, contract structure right now. We'll see if a player like Debo or DK can get there, but I'm not sure they can. Uh, the way that AJ Brown's deal is structured. It's very, very strong. It's three years, 57 million. And then we'll see. And he's only going to be 27 years old when that sucker's done. So you look at the two for 40s that Godwin and Mike Williams got, and you compare that to what A.J. Brown just did, and Brown did exceptionally well. And by the way, same agent. So uh, there was a plan here. There was a plan to get in, get out. This, there was a you need me in this contract. And I think the... Uh, we're going to look back at that one if he's playing well and say, this is exactly what teams should be doing. The Bills did it with Stefan Diggs, who's also on this three list, fully guaranteed basically through the 2024 season, just under $48 million. So he's the, he's the bottom of this list. It's Stefan Diggs, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Adams. That's your three-year guarantee structure list. All new contracts. All six of these players that I've talked about so far, brand new contracts, and obviously that's a thing. Because if you continue down the list, it's DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Christian Kirk, Brandon Kirk, Allen Robinson, Michael Gallup, Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones. That's it. Everybody with at least two years of guarantee structure it, it has to be 85 to 90% of them signed in the past couple of weeks. It was an insane offseason, as we've talked about quite a bit. You know, some of these guys that are here are carrying over some early guarantees Kenny Galladay, Cortland Sutton. Uh, Keenan Allen. So just well-structured contracts. I'm not sure the teams feel so great about some of those, but that they are who they are. So for every one of these deals, I've got a, a snippet. I, I put at least a couple of words, a couple of sentences talking about, you know, the structure, what something that may happen. Hey, there's a roster bonus next year. They might get out of this early. Or, you know, if all he's going to do is be productive and he's going to get an extra year out of this versus what I have him categorized here. So I I tried to make some sense of every single situation uniquely and individually. And please, you know, at SpotTrack, tell me where I screwed up here or tell me where you think, look, this is, uh, I, I agree with you. You know, I think Jerry Judy could change Cortland Sutton's situation. Fine. Let's talk about it. Michael Gallup, I think, underachieved with this contract. Let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, I'm not the, uh, the, the, the be all one voice to this, but, you know, I, I did put 60, 60 wide receivers on the, uh, on the chopping block here and, and categorize them. So, Please push back with, the, with your comments. Let us know what we're doing here, how we're doing here, how we can make this better because I'm flipping the gears to, to running backs here in just a few hours. So I think it's a good format. I, th I think what I'm doing here makes a lot of sense. The one and done list, there's going to be some players there you're, you're going to hate me for, um, especially guys that have three, four years left in their contract. But I, I can't say, I can't look at a contract the way I look at it with a guarantee structure or with a potential outline and just say, look, he's a good player. They're definitely going to keep him. They probably will, but that, that roster bubble list I make every January, I hit on 80% of them. You know, it's not because I'm good at what I do. It's because that's just how the league works. And having read this for eight to 10 to 12 years now, every off season, you just kind of understand where teams are going to at least try to get out of a deal and get back in more versus trading the guy away or just outright releasing a play. You know, like, like Amari Cooper with the Browns is on the one and done list. Got three years, sixty left on that contract. He's the guy there now. He's the guy, and I say, you know, the couple of sentences I give you basically say, if Deshaun Watson's not the quarterback for ten weeks or whatever it's going to be, then by all means they should just basically say, 
we're going to pay this guy $20 million. He's probably not going to have the numbers we want because Jacoby Brissett isn't the quarterback we want. Do we then continue on with another $20 million next year and give him a fair shake with Deshaun Watson? Or are they moot? Are they two completely separate different conversations? Let's get out of that contract no matter what, risking him going to free agency and picking someone else. Or we can try to get him back on a different contract and then see what happens with Deshaun Watson. So those kind of conversations are the one-offs that you're just not going to see when you stare at numbers on a contract. There's a lot going on around it. It's a team sport. What happens, you know, Alan Lazard needs a contract. What does that mean for Christian Watson? What does that mean for Sammy Watkins, who may be a training camp cut for all we know? It's a, it's a whole package. What's the quarterback status? That's why I did them first. Where's the team in contention? which you can kind of build around the quarterback conversation. And then when we talk wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, as I'm about to do here over the next couple of weeks, how does it correlate? You know, is there a, is there a guy that was just drafted, you know, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, that could easily push Michael Thomas's contract out, even if $15 million a year for what Michael Thomas can return to be is pretty darn good for three years. So again, he's a one and done because the guarantees are gone. But if Chris Olave has a, you know, stink up 2022 rookie rookie campaign or if Jameis Winston gets hurt and it's Andy Dalton kind of holding down the fort who knows maybe it's we got to draft the guy next year or we got to sign Kirk Cousins or whatever the hell it's going to be in 2023 and then give Michael Thomas another fair shake or like Mari Cooper is it doesn't matter we'll figure out the quarterback situation as well but we got to get out of this Michael Thomas contract finally even though there's 25 million of dead cap and if we can bring him back cheaper, fine. If he walks, he walks. Those are the conversations they have right now. Because when we watch Michael Thomas for 17 weeks, all of this, is, all of this matters. It matters 100%, whether or not he's going to stay in this contract or not. They may already know. Mickey Loomis may already know. Hey, we're, out, we're done after this thing. You know, we've, uh, we've structured this thing so many times and had to deal with the injuries for the last year and a half that as soon as we can possibly get out of this financially speaking, we're doing it. And then They'll come back for one for 10. We'll take it. So that's what the one and done list really represents. And there's a lot of players there, a lot of names. Tyler Lockett's here. Just because the contract says there's an out. He's too good to get out. But if it's still Drew Locke, if they don't draft the quarterback they want next year in Seattle, and Drew Locke's the guy or Geno Smith's the guy, or if they end up with Jimmy Garoppolo at some point, you know, what is that? Does Tyler Lockett even want to stay? Possibly not. There's an out. There's an out for teams to get out. There's an out for players to say, get me out. So it's a two double-edged sword here. That's exactly the conversation I had with Robbie Anderson, who's already kind of jokingly showed his discontent for the Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold situation. At what point does he try to get out? Because the contract has a nice one after this year. Um, And the last one I'll talk about before I uh, get off this topic is DeAndre Hopkins. Because you're going to read this piece, hopefully, thank you. And... You're going to see him on the one and done list and you're going to say, what the hell? This is one of the best wide receivers in football. They just signed the quarterback to a billion dollars. Why is this guy on the list? And you just have to, you have to remember where we're coming from here. A, this was always the out. 2022 was going to be the last year of early guarantees. And his 2022 salary had guaranteed last March. And then he got popped for PED, May 2nd. Six games he's going to miss this year. But maybe more importantly, he voids every guarantee on the contract. So the 2022 salary is now not fully guaranteed. Now, it will be when he returns to action. 
because he's a vested veteran, but he loses the early guarantee. So even though it was going to be year for year to year from here out, now it is immediately. It's year to year. And as of right now, they can save eight million in a in a pre pre June first move. Or if that's post June first, you can save quite a bit here. You know? Twenty two million. So decisions, decisions. Marquise Brown's in the in the in the house. He's an extension candidate. He's in that category on this piece. If Rondell Moore has the breakout season, some of us think he will have. Do you go back to the draft, use a second or third round pick and try to get the guy you need? And then, and then is DeAndre Hopkins trade bait? Possibly. Possibly. Two for, thir- two for 34 left in this contract after this year. Year to year, non-guaranteed. You can rip that up and make it flexible as you need if you're a new team or if you're Arizona. I think the latter is what happens. Now he's 30. You know, Do you get him to agree to a restructured contract next year that does offer some guarantees, does lower the cap hit, Maybe changes the cash flow a little bit, keeps him in tow because Hopkins plus Brown plus more, you know, plus Hertz, that's good. You just paid your quarterback. Don't sabotage the offense. So I don't think he's one and done from an Arizona standpoint, but I do think the contract's one and done. Why wouldn't it be? This guy just burned you, and you're going to miss him for six games. So why would you? Why would you deal with a thirty million dollar cap hit next year when you simply don't have to? No. There is some dead cap here, you know, 22.6 million of dead cap that has to transfer over. But you can either simply restructure this thing and add to that dead cap, or you can break it out, build it into a brand new three or four year contract, make it work for you for the next couple of years, coinciding with Kyler Murray's cap situation, and go from there. That's how I would start. And that's how I think this will happen because why wouldn't we think otherwise? Then he comes back week seven, links up with this, with this offense. And becomes a major factor again. And, and a reason that Kyler Murray can start to take that step forward that he's now been paid to do. So, again, names on these lists, you know, it's not because I'm, I have a vendetta. It's not because I dislike the team or even the quarterback. Some of it is quarterback-based. Some of it is I don't think the offense is going to tick enough to get this guy enough opportunities to make him stick or to get him paid. Part of that is here, for sure, in some of these guys. But, you know, of the 60, 50 of them probably look probably, you know, spot on to many of you out there who follow this stuff closely. And there'll be 10 that make you go, what the hell is this guy thinking? And just read. <laughs> and if you still think it's crazy at the end, at Spotrick on Twitter, please. And uh, I'll start getting going on this running back one, which, as you know, is going to be a bloodbath. Because when you talk about the stability of running back contracts, that is basically an oxymoron in the NFL at this point. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try like hell to get guys two, three years of stability. But I just don't think it's there. It's going to be a lot of what ifs, one and dones, maybe a restructure, uh, might get traded by the deadline, <laughs> right? Uh, it's going to be quite a lot of that. But I'm going to do it. It's, I think it's the right exercise this time of year as camps are here and some competitions are happening. And uh, I'll put the, uh, the oil under the armpits and get this thing going. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about running backs again soon. So quarterbacks are in the bank. That's, uh, that's up on spotdraft.com. Wide receivers are now there as well. And uh, like I said, I'll continue with this piece. The Kyler Murray extension breakdown is on spotdraft.com. I've got some evaluation pieces on Lamar Jackson and DK Metcalf, as I think there's you know light movement there with, with contracts, maybe more so for DK, less for Lamar, who seems destined to play 2022 out and get that tag next year and then have some real discussions. But I put down all my thoughts in a couple thousand words and 
we'll see what sticks and we'll see what doesn't stick because both those situations are pretty fluid along with Debo Samuel as we approach the end of July and into preseason mode. So that's your NFL breakdown. Real quick, I, I promised some NHL stuff and I do want to get to it because I ignore it quite a bit and I do all the work every day, so I might as well talk about it every now and then. As I mentioned at the, the Open here, there's 16, 17, 8, 9 teams as I sit here counting the tracker in front of me. There are nine teams over cap right now. Some of the bigger ones, Washington, Tampa, Vancouver, Toronto, they have some long-term injury reserve situations that'll get them out of that water. So they're going to be just fine. I'm not worried about them. But what it says is, and Tampa Bay is obviously one of these conversations, nobody's sitting on their hands. Now, Chicago is trying to tank. They're trying to tank. They have the seventh most cap space. You know, they bought guys out. They traded pieces away. They outright released. They, they, they did everything they could possibly do. They're tanking. And the Ducks, they've been flipping over for a couple of years now. And now with Getzlaff retiring, they can kind of rip that entire Band-Aid off. And Arizona's just Arizona. I'm not even sure they're a real franchise right now. They, they are continually where they are. Uh, and teams like Buffalo and Ottawa are slow playing their rebuild. Slow playing it, defensively speaking, through the draft, things like that. They're going to make their splashes probably within one to two years. And we'll be talking about them way down at the bottom of this list, like your Toronto's, your Vancouver's, and your Florida's. And uh, look, speaking of Florida, that's a team that was damn good, beat up a lot of teams this past season, had a really good core of players, but two or three of those vets had expiring contracts. They were going to be playing their last season, which we talk about trade candidates. We talk about expiring contracts at the deadline. They simply didn't want to get in that conversation. And the opportunity to get a top 20 player was here. It's, not, it's a little like the Juan Soto stuff that's happening in baseball. You know, there, there are teams right now that are probably really good, like a, real, like a, like a Braves team or, or not so much the Dodgers, but I guess, I guess, you know, like Cleveland, if Cleveland had money, Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay had money, even though I think they're a real contender. Teams that are good, that are winning the majority of their ball games, that may just say, look, we, we need to punt on two or three MLB slash A prospects and get Juan Soto today. Why? Because once the opportunity to get Juan Soto, and I'm using him as a metaphor, even though he's real, is like a one in 50 year situation. Okay. Even if Mike Trout is traded at this point, this isn't 23 year old Mike Trout. This is 30, Mike, 30 year old Mike Trout now with a bunch of injuries piling up kind of annually. So that's not what this is. This is 23 year old Juan Soto. We're not even sure he's as good as he's going to be yet. And he's already great, historic in some degree. This guy just doesn't get, up, get put on the trade block. He doesn't get dangled out there. So, you know, when you get a, a situation like that, and, and I am in no way saying Matthew Chuck is the Juan Soto of the, of the NHL, but Florida basically said, we're good. We are second to third round of the playoffs good right now. We were last year. We proved it. But rather than pay these three guys, we can flip this thing quickly and get that guy right now. And pay him the overpay, the $9.5 million per year contract for eight years. So that's exactly what happened here. That's exactly what happened. And I give him a lot of credit for not sitting on their hands, for not saying, you know, look, we're, we're there. We, all we got to do is kind of tinker a little bit here and there. Well, they didn't tinker. They went all in. And they got Matthew Chuck in. And he's a game-changing forward. And he will be now for a while, 25 years old. Obviously, the massive contract extension keeps him in fold now for quite a while. But those are the kind of moves you just don't see in this league. Enough. 
We're starting to see it in the NFL a little bit more. I mentioned the baseball stuff. I do think this is a very good sign for the NHL because it really generated a buzz. Now, it broke like 10 p.m. Eastern, okay? And just by, I was writing the Kyler Murray contract uh, article when it broke. So thank God I was awake for it because it threw me off. But, you know, that's the kind of move the NHL has to say, all right, great. Well, let's process that tomorrow about noon, all right? Let's wait till Wednesday afternoon and just drop the hammer at lunchtime and let whoever loves this league really feast on this for a couple hours versus having to wake up to it. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit deflated at that point in time. But this is, you know, three major players plus a first-round pick, lottery protected for a fourth and Chuck. And that's just big boy stuff. That's really, really good for two franchises. You know, Calgary gets depth after losing Johnny Goudreau and a couple of guys. And the Panthers get a little younger and arguably better. Arguably better immediately. So this is... This could easily be a win-win situation. Like I said, this doesn't happen very often. Three weeks into NHL off the offseason, this is sometimes a deadline move, sometimes. But with four named players, it's just a very rare instance in this league. It's great to see. Let's figure out the timing a little better next time, NHL. But uh, for all intents, it's a really good step in the right direction. That teams are not just saying, all right, we, we didn't get all the way, so let's rip it right back down. Because for a lot of years, especially those Florida teams, that's exactly what happened. It, it is, we can go in all in for one year, and when it doesn't work, got to start all the way back over at square away. Square A. That's not what the Panthers have done here. They didn't get to the finish line. They got damn close. And instead of ripping back a lot, they ripped back a little bit on depth to get a top 20 superstar player. It's excellent business. Wanted to give the NHL its, its due when necessary. That's certainly a good time for it. And uh, like I said, there's nine teams that need some cap work, and we'll be tracking that every single day. And as we get closer to the season, we'll do our over-unders and some of the divisional stuff, some of the contract extension candidates, things like that, wrap up the offseason as a tier. But like I said, good, good steam, good news for three weeks into the NHL offseason that we're still talking about it. No question about that. Okay. That does it for today's episode. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year. And please visit DynastyOwner.com. Use SpotTrack20 at registration. Get your league going. Customize the crap out of it. Get ready for the big NFL regular season, which is now just, I believe, what, 69 days away at the time of this article. So get yourself ready. DynastyOwner.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrack Podcast.